Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game recap here in the 2022-23 NBA season. It's your boy. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Time Dropper and hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live or upload a video. And of course, follow me on Twitter and Instagram or TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Tonight's episode is going to be short and sweet. It's pretty late. Uh, I kind of procrastinated on this one. Typical. Guys, don't be procrastinators, man. It's one of my worst habits in life. I do it way too much. So just don't procrastinate. That's my advice of the day. But coming up, we're going to be talking about the Clippers and the Nets. If you did not catch my reaction to Kyrie Irving being traded to Dallas with Caleb from the Brooklyn Netcast, please check that out. It's on the channel. It's my last video, my last live. And coincidentally... We ended up playing the Brooklyn Nets in this game. The last game of the Grammy road trip. The Lakers are already back. This was our last game before the boys are back in town. And we needed a win. Any means necessary. It wasn't pretty yet again. It was exactly like the Knicks game in many ways. A game of runs. Thought we had lost it. Came back and pulled it out. And I said in the last episode. And I, I, I think it was on Locked On, though, not on Dime Dropper. But I said, I want the Clippers to have these kind of games. I want them to continue to play these games where they're on the road, a team makes a run, the crowd gets into it, and they're forced to close out the game. And they did that. They did that. So I'm happy with that. But there's a lot of bad things and bad habits I want to discuss. The Brooklyn Nets. Without Kyrie Irving, of course, who's no longer on the team. And Kevin Durant, who's still out injured. Playing us, and you knew going into the game who the danger man was going to be. Cam Thomas. Now, what I knew about Cam Thomas before this game was that he was a score extraordinaire. But little did I know just how much of a bucket getter he actually is. And he showed that right away with his jump shot. The Clippers threw all sorts of guys at him in this game. In the first quarter, the second quarter, whatever quarter you name it, it was so many different guys taking a crack at guarding this guy. Terrence Mann, mostly, as you'd expect. But a decent amount of Kawhi, not too much Paul George. And there was one time where Vitsa Zubats got burned and dropped coverage by Cam early on in the game with a three. And after that, Zu went with a... If he was dropping, he was much closer where he could put up a nice contest or he was just hedging, just coming right up to him, making sure that he couldn't just get a wide open jump shot coming off the screen. But he was still finding ways to score because, mind you, the Clippers were switching one through four 
And Cam Thomas was getting to the basket, hitting mid-ranges, hitting basically every single shot you could think of facing up against Clipper defenders, just about anybody. We could not guard the guy. And on the other end, the Nets were switching one through five. And I noticed very quickly just how special Nick Claxton is. You know, my boy Caleb from the Netcast He's been tweeting a lot this season about Nick Claxton, Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Claxton, Defensive Player of the Year. And I see exactly what he was talking about in this one. I mean, obviously, it's not like it's the first time I've ever watched him play. Watched every single playoff game they had last season, all four of them. He moves his feet extremely well. He's got great length and great defensive instincts. He was guarding every single Clipper tonight. And he did a very good job doing so. And the Nets were very switch-heavy the entire game. But one thing I liked about the Clippers' approach the entire night was that, and I was complaining about it, the Clippers have not been attacking the right defenders in pick and roll. With teams that are going to switch everything, and as I've been saying, if I were other teams, I would switch everything on the Clippers because they struggle to get downhill and get into the basket. They were doing that. And I thought that we were creating a ton of good looks, honestly. Kawhi missed a couple of easy ones. Paul George missed a couple of easy ones. Terrence Mann missed an open three. If it's a Zubats, we threw him the ball actually on two switches early in the game, and he missed two like bunnies, jump hooks with either hand. So we were just cold, and the Brooklyn Nets were the opposite of cold in the beginning of the game. And you know what's funny is we've kind of gotten over, I want to say, the slow start thing and just not hitting shots in the beginning of the game. Like against Milwaukee, against New York, we came out the better team in the first quarter. But in this one, the Brooklyn Nets were the ones that were hitting shots early. You know, they were up by seven points. They were eight for nine from three at one point. And, you know, I think the Clips, it's not a lack of effort to me, but it's a total lack of focus and a lack of dog, in my opinion. They lack that killer instinct. We lack that killer instinct to me. You know, I think that we play up to the level of our competition or down to the level of our competition. But I don't think that's a characteristic of most championship teams. I think there's not enough times where the Clippers come out and just smack the shit out of teams and just from minute one just go, you got no chance tonight. We're better than you in, in every facet. Scoring the ball, we got better players than you. We defend better than you. It's a lack of focus for me with the Clippers. Was this a case of underestimating the opponent? In my opinion, it was. But you also got to hand it to Cam Thomas, who carried the Nets offensively, and Nick Claxton, who carried them defensively. You got to give them their flowers. But that doesn't, to me, I'm looking at this from a Clipper perspective. A win is a win, and there's no such thing as a bad win in the NBA. But I want to see us come out and smack the shit out of teams more. Because we're good enough to do that, and you see it in spurts with us. Even in this game, you saw it in spurts. But, you know, a lot of defensive miscommunications. If we're going to switch everything, we got to be sharper. We got to be also take more pride guarding the ball. If you're going to switch everything, that means you're going to have to be playing one-on-one defense a lot. Our players are not taking enough pride, in my opinion, of sitting down and guarding the ball. And in my opinion, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are included in that completely. Because they're not being tasked with guarding the best players for the majority of the game. They're not. Because they have to carry all their offensive load. But that being said, I think they, with all the two-way dick riding the media does about them, 
They need to get more credit for what they're actually doing versus what they can do. Because I know they're good defenders. And Kawhi still has room to get back to his 2021 self defensively. He's not there yet. But I, I, haven't, I don't say good deep Kawhi that much in games right now. It's just a couple of steals here and there. Paul George, not really as well. I thought Paul was very good defensively in the first half in this game. Second half, I'll talk about it in a second, but he fell off. That being said, the funniest thing about this first half... The Clippers were just missing easy shots. The Nets were hitting tough shots, hitting a bunch of threes. They came out hot. Sometimes it's just a make-or-miss league. Terrence Mann was playing good defense, though. Got two blocks in the first quarter. Even though I've noticed about Terrence, he still makes his defensive mistakes in terms of communication and just kind of like sometimes expecting help's going to be there, but it's not. He's still a young player. He still makes those young player mistakes. But this was interesting from the Clippers. They did a different kind of substitution pattern in this one, Ty Lue. Zubats came out early in the first quarter. At around the 6 minute or and 30 second mark. Nico Batum comes in. So Clippers go switch everything 1 through 5. Then Zoo comes back in with 3 minutes and 3 seconds left in the first quarter. And Kawhi Leonard comes out. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were out of the game. To end the first quarter. So they didn't stagger him in this one. They went with the three guard set again. So Luke Kennard played. Robert Covington did not. And we went back with the three guard set. The dreaded three guard set. That we've been hating on all season. That we felt like Ty Lue has gotten past. But funny enough in this game. And I think I boil it down to three reasons. Actually four. One. Look at who we are playing against. Two. Cam Thomas was out of the game. Three. Three. Some good Reggie minutes. He actually got a strip, hit two buckets. His first two shots, I believe, he made. Four, the brilliance of Norman Powell. Simply being the best player on the court. Getting to the basket like he always does. Instant offense. Getting to the line. That's why the three guards set. And also Ivica Zubats, who was very good. Defensively, rebounding. He missed those two chippies that I mentioned earlier. But then he got a couple of putbacks. I think actually it was just one putback. But a couple of jump hooks. It was nice. Or actually, it was one jump hook. <laughs> and then a couple of free throws. And it survived. The three-guard set survived. It went from, I think they were down 17 to 24 when it checked in. And then by the time Kennard came out, we were up 36-33. And I want to say this about Luke Kennard. He missed his first two shots. One of them, he was blocked from behind by Patty Mills. Who, by the way, was so broke. He was getting shots that he's made against us his entire career. And he was missing everything. But Luke Kennard finally did hit a three. Now, he proceeded to miss two wide open threes after that. But it was nice to see him hit one and break that, you know, drought. But he only played 15 minutes in the game and was one for six. But I still think he needs to continue to play. He needs to you got to keep his confidence in it. Clippers playing a nine-man rotation in this one. No Robert Covington, which, again, is a huge mistake in my opinion. But it is what it is. And at this point, I feel bad for Rocco. I wouldn't mind if he got traded because he deserves it. He doesn't deserve to be sitting away on the bench like this when we have guys dropping 47 points on us. Now, do I think that Robert Covington could guard Cam Thomas? Fuck no. But the thing is, he makes our team better defensively, covers more ground. He's a better help defender than having three guards out there. But in this case, it worked in this stint of the game. Now, again, I mentioned Patty Mills bricking everything. 
Zoo playing well in that second stint, playing good defense. Kawhi Leonard came in with six minutes and 40 seconds left in the first half. And I thought PG, as I mentioned earlier, his first half defense was pretty good. He was moving his feet. He got a couple of steals, getting his hands active. And I just thought he was alert and doing enough, doing enough. And the Clips started showcasing their quality. I remember Nico Batum had a drive and kick in transition where he found Kawhi for an open three. I believe that was Kawhi's only made field goal of the second quarter was that open three in the left corner. And the Clips were up 51-40. to 40. So I was starting to feel like we, we could create separation. But guys like Royce O'Neal and Cam Thomas were keeping these guys in the game in terms of scoring. You know, I knew the Nets' defense wasn't going to be horrendous, but it was... Who's going to score besides Kyrie Irving without Kyrie and Kevin Durant? Ben Simmons also didn't play in this game, I might add, and he's going to come back tomorrow against, I think it's the Phoenix Suns. But who was going to be their guy offensively besides Cam Thomas? And Royce O'Neal hit five threes in the first half. And by the way, random thing in, the, in this sequence of the, you know, in this time of the game. Marcus Morris Sr. randomly got ejected with a minute and 57 seconds left in the first half. It was very confusing. I didn't even see anything. It looked like he was upset with the calls that the refs were making. But that was really weird. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And I don't remember him having an initial technical. So the fact that he just got two technicals in that quick a span, he must have said something crazy to the referees for them to say that. Freakzilla Worldwide says, great win by the clip show. And shout out to everybody in the live right now. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. We appreciate every donation. Freakzilla Worldwide says, great win by the clip show. And they won every quarter. Yes, they did win every quarter. But I really think within every quarter, they had stretches where they won and they lost. And I think they should have won by, by more. And by the way, they did not win every quarter because I'm looking at it right now. I mentioned the Clips were up 29-27 after one, but they tied them 26-26 to 26 in the second. So they did not win the second quarter. And it's interesting because I just mentioned that we were up 11 points and Cam Thomas just started cooking. Just about everybody off the bounce, making tough shots. There were shots he was making over Nico, over Zoo. I mean, some of it just, was just brilliance. You can't say it was all Clipper defense and stuff, but I think there was a lack of communication on defense all half long, and that's just from focus. That's from attention to detail. That's something that, you know, when can we finally have a game? The only one I can think of off top is the Dallas game that I went to, the vlog, the last one, where they were just really locked in against a playoff-type opponent. These, they should be smacking the fuck out of teams like these even when they're not making every three. They should be making a statement, or at least since Cam Thomas was playing so well, not smacking the fuck out of them, but being beating them more comfortably. I shouldn't be getting so nervous. I'm getting nervous because I see that the Clippers are playing better now. I see that we're starting to play better basketball, and we actually may be able to get a top three seed because the West is so fucking mid and balanced, and... This record would have never gotten us in this kind of top three conversation in the Western Conference when we were with, when we had Lob City. Because San Antonio, Golden State, and OKC were right there every single year. Even Memphis had a better record than this shit. But because of the parity and just the load management and teams not being as great, in my opinion, outside of Denver, it's so wide open. And even with all the bullshit that's happened and these unconvincing wins by, by us, 
we still have a chance to do this. So that's why I'm still getting nervous because I haven't given up on the season. I've never given up on the season. You can go to my biggest rant of this season after the OKC games early, halfway point of the season against Minnesota, even the Locked On episode when we got smacked by Denver. I have never said that it's over because I still don't think that any team in the league is that intimidating. And I still think that there is a level the Clippers can reach that very few teams in the league can reach. And right now, the Clips have won eight out of their last nine games with PG. Say what you want. We've won eight out of our last nine games with Kawhi and PG. We went four and two on this road trip and we're playing the best basketball we've played all season. And Kawhi has been healthy since the Charlotte game, knock on wood, the Charlotte game where he hit that game winner. He just has only missed games with, you know, the back-to-back load management and the non-COVID related illness. But anyway, back to the end of the second quarter. Yes, I thought we lacked communication in the entire game defensively, especially in large stretches. And in transition, there were a couple times where we straight up just didn't pick up ball. Didn't pick up the hot hand. Royce O'Neal's hitting threes. Cam Thomas is hitting threes. You got to know where they're at immediately. Where's the pride in saying this motherfucker's not scoring anymore? I mean, come on. I have that. When I play basketball, even at a pickup level, If someone is just torching us, man, if you have any chance of guarding them, you got to say they are not scoring. I'm not saying one guy's going to stick to them because that's not the modern schemes. You're going to have to be switching everything. But in transition, you got to find the hot hand. You can't let these guys just go blazing hot like that. Royce O'Neal hitting five threes in the first half. Insanity. But anyway, one thing I will say a positive in the second quarter, Paul George, nine points in the quarter, three or three buckets on contested jumpers and one layup on a Kawhi steal. But PG was doing his thing. Kawhi, not as aggressive. So kind of like the, the New York game, it was a little bit more of the PG show, especially in the first half. Third quarter, Reggie Jackson started instead of Nico Batum. So I obviously don't really agree with that. that that's because Marcus Morris Sr. was injured but I obviously don't agree with that. Kawhi started guarding Cam Thomas, but then about midway through the quarter, I heard Ty Lue yell for a switch. He said, Kawhi, or why switch with, switch with Terrence or something like that. But he said that. He said for them to switch. And it's kind of interesting because the last couple of games I've really noticed, Ty Lue's kind of really coaching recently in terms of calling plays. Like he's calling just about almost every play we're running right now, like a college coach recently. And honestly, most of the plays, we do get good looks. You can say it's a little bit iffy down the stretch. But in this one, I have no complaints about his down-the-stretch play calling. He's been a little bit more hands-on lately because I think people are starting to criticize, saying the Clippers run no plays, their offense is just ISO. So he's trying his best to get at least, if they are ISOing, when teams like the Nets switch everything, they're at least getting in better spots and putting the right guys in the pick-and-roll. And as I said, they were putting Cam Thomas and Joe Harris in the pick-and-roll a lot in this game and getting what they wanted. And Kawhi Leonard was getting double-teamed when Cam Thomas was switched on to him. But I don't think we went for that as much. It was more Paul George. Then Kawhi Leonard getting Cam Thomas switched onto him, getting the ball at the elbow, forcing a double team, clip swing the ball. Wasn't much of that. By the way, Terrence Mann does not get calls uh, when he drives to the basket, and teams hand check him and have their freaking, imp- literally more than hand checking, straight up impeding his progress when he's driving sometimes. And because he's Terrence Mann, he doesn't get the call. But I still think he does a great job of doing that little Euro step floater and just doing a great job taking contact. And I thought Terrence had a really good 
game overall, but offensively solid again, taking his space, pushing the ball in transition, and finishing well at the rim. He had 12 points, 9 rebounds. He was also fantastic on the glass. 3 blocks on 5 for 9 shooting and 1 for 2 from deep. My thing is this. Yes, plus minus doesn't look great. Don't think that tells much of a story because I don't think many of the things that we did wrong in those stretches were because of him. He's only playing 25 minutes. That's not enough. He should be playing 30 plus every single game. But I've said that over and over again. But the Clips looked really good in the first half of the third. Zoo had a monster dunk. Absolute monster dunk off a of Paul George pass. I thought we were getting a ton of great looks on all kinds of sets. As I was saying, Ty Lue was being pretty hands-on. And we led 72-61. to 61. And Paul George, it really was him, I thought, that was the catalyst. 11 points in the third quarter. Kawhi Leonard had 6 points in the third quarter. But in my opinion... After Kawhi had a layup early in the quarter, he went four minutes before he shot his next shot, and he missed it. So I was thinking at that point, and that was like midway through the third quarter, he's only shot two shots in the quarter, he's got to shoot a little bit more. And you would think, why is it a problem if the Clippers are up 11? Well, they were no longer up 11, because after the timeout that put the Clippers up, I'm sorry, after the timeout in which the Clips were up 11, the Clips, let we let them get back in the game by fouling too much. We were over the limit with seven minutes to go in the third, and it started with Reggie Jackson fouling Cam Thomas on a three. And I counted 13 points that, were, that the Nets scored because of Reggie Jackson, whether it was taking him off the dribble, scoring on him one-on-one on a switch, him being oblivious off the ball and his man cutting to the basket and getting a bunny, I think that was only one time. TJ Warren, he was guarding off the ball, and he totally was just ball watching. TJ cut to the basket, got a wide open layup. Oh, 13 points scored on because of you. Yeah, you can go back and analyze the plays and say, maybe you should have had more help here. All that. But there's a common denominator, a common theme that he can't really defend. His effort, yes, he got one steal in a zone in the third quarter. But Reg is not a good defender. He tried a little bit harder tonight. I thought in the first half he was actually really good. But he's not a very good defender, point blank, and every team knows it now. And here's the thing as well. He was one for five in the third quarter to go along with those 13 points I just said he allowed. And he played the entire third. Ty played him the entire third quarter. That's insane. That's insane. He loves him so much. I love him too. But I like winning more. And the Clippers did win, but we're being the we're papering over the fucking cracks, being the Long Island Nets. Come on, dog. Come on. We missed a couple of shots. We're fouling a lot. We had and then here are the other stupid plays the Clippers make that totally just affect them miserably. And this is nothing to do with lack of, you know, uh the a point guard or a back of big or, or coaching or anything like that to me. Just a lack of discipline. Two straight lane violations. Two straight lane violations on the same free throw by Nick Claxton. And you know what's funny? I was in a space with Nets fans after the game, and they told me that Nick Claxton has a little hitch in his free throw, so he actually gets guys jumping early a lot. So it's not just the Clippers were doing lane violations out of nowhere, but... 
that's not that's a lack of discipline. Lane violations in general are ridiculous. I used to think that was inexcusable. I never got called for a lane violation in my life in an organized game ever because I'm not a fucking idiot. You can't be doing two straight lane violations and mind you, on that free throw if I'm not mistaken, the way they got it, we were already in the bonus for the last 7 minutes of the third quarter and Paul George is reaching in the backcourt. 94 feet away from the basket with Nick Claxton's back turned. You're a star. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame and you're making mistakes like that. Inexcusable. Stupid basketball. Low IQ. This team is low IQ. And having guys like Reggie Jackson out there don't add to our collective basketball IQ. I can promise you that. As fucked up as that sounds. It's the God's honest truth. And I love Reggie Jackson. But anyway, they got right back in the game. And as I said, Kawhi Leonard wasn't shooting the ball. He wasn't really getting... And you know, that that was, I will say, partially on Ty Lue. I mean, he was, as I said, he was being a little hands-on, calling a lot of plays. But at the same time, you know, we got to look to get him the ball a little bit more, especially when we're starting to miss shots. But that's just it. It was the mix of missing shots. They're getting to the line, hitting a couple shots. And that's momentum. You know, basketball is such a game of momentum. I talk about that all the time. A game of runs. And that's what that was a run being made by the Nets. But I think that there are ways like that foul and those lane violations where you can prevent this bullshit and Reggie not playing the entire quarter. So again, we did the same thing in terms of subs as we did in the first half where Zoo came out at around the six-minute mark of the third quarter. Nico comes in and we go switch everything. Cam Thomas was continuing to cook. And I also thought when we were missing shots, the Clips' transition defense was poor. Not communicating, not picking up ball. It's crazy because there were a couple of times where we have the numbers back, but they're just not picking up ball. They're not talking. Attention to detail. You want to be a championship team? Let's blow these teams out. It, sometimes it just takes one great quarter, one great quarter to just wipe these guys out, these young teams like this. We didn't have one great quarter. I don't even know if we had a good quarter. We had stretches in quarters where we were great. It's not consistent. And the Nets went on a 16-2 to run. It was the Cam Thomas show. He was going nuts, hitting every single shot you can think of facing up. On the drive, jelly layups, contested layups in traffic, mid-ranges, pull-up threes. Against any type of player of any size. It was just spectacular to watch, honestly. And again, when I talk about the substitutions being the same, we went with that three-guard set again with three minutes left. Take... PG and Kawhi out at the same time. Do I think that that's a good strategy come playoff time to have both of them out at the same time? No, I do not. I think one of them should be in, especially if it means three guards. You know, the fact that Ty Lue went with that again worries me. It worries me that, especially since we won this game, he's going to continue to do that. It's like we take three steps forward, now we're going to take two steps back. And now we, you know, overall we took one step forward, but we're not as far as we should be forward. And I love Ty Lue, but he continues to make really questionable decisions this season. Three guards set with three minutes left in the first uh, in the third quarter. Zubat's back in the game with Norman Powell, Reggie Kennard, and Nico. And as I mentioned, Kawhi six points in the third quarter. He made two buckets after that uh, miss I talked about, and PG had eleven in the third, and he closed it out well. So overall, the Clips responded to that sixteen to two run mostly with Kawhi and Paul. And they led 91-88 after three, after 
Nico Batum hit a big left corner three to get the two for one. Reggie, as I mentioned, played the whole third quarter. That's ridiculous. Just way too much. We don't need that. But in the fourth quarter, and I, let me see what we how if we outscored them. Yeah, we outscored them 36-35 in the third. And funny, yeah, 35 points is just too much. And we did that because we put them on the line. And, and, and I also want to mention Paul George. His defense in the third quarter was a total step down from the, from the first half. Getting blown by, reaching lazily. You know, there are a couple times where the Clippers just have no second effort. Like, it's a scramble, loose ball, and they're just ball watch. Too many times, they, they, there's guys that take plays off. And here's my thing. If Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to guard weaker players, and, I mean, Kawhi did guard Cam Thomas a decent amount in this game, but they need to be sharper with their rotations. They get all this credit for being these great defenders. They're not even guarding guys on the ball. You need to be sharp then off the ball. I say that about LeBron all the time, and I got to be consistent with my stars as well, especially given their age. Zachary Darrington in the comments says, get LaMelo ball. Absolutely not. The last thing we need is guys that don't guard and have don't take this shit seriously. Get Boucher from Toronto. Now that we're talking. Anyways, fourth quarter. What a roller coaster of emotions this was. We threw the first punch, though, with six points from Norman Powell getting to the basket yet again. What can you actually know? Yeah, get into the back, got an and one, and then hit a pull up three over Nick Claxton. Six points right away. And he's been doing that very, like, a lot recently, hitting threes to begin fourth quarter, or just getting buckets to begin fourth quarters, quite frankly. Terrence Mann, another classic drive to the basket. This was his last one of the game. Went into the chest of defender, floated it up. Could have gotten an and one, didn't. We were up 99-93. I was hoping that we would finish them off. And again, it was really when Cam Thomas came out of the game. And that makes me want to check Cam Thomas's plus minus. It's probably ridiculous. Oh, no. It's only plus three. Interesting. But when he was out of the game, we went up by six. And then he comes in. And the Nets immediately go on a 14-0 run. Kawhi came in for Zoo with around nine minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth. And we missed three straight gimmies. Two by Kawhi. One was a point-blank layup. And Cam Thomas made his pay. One of them, he got a dunk even after an amazing Nico block. And Nico, you know, typical Nico, just playing great defense, able to guard so many different guys. But even Nico sometimes has times where he just lets guys run by him. Like there was one time where Nick Claxton just dunked and he didn't even contest anything at the rim, nothing. And I was like, just let him walk by. I think he expected Zoo to help him, but he just let him walk by him inside the key and I'm like Nico what's what the hell's going on here bro but yeah we missed a couple gimmies they made us pay mainly Cam Thomas they tied it up PG comes in after the timeout with 745 to go and Nick Claxton made it a couple of amazing plays there was the play where he had a double block on Paul George just absolutely locked him down it was amazing and then had a fake handoff and Kawhi was going right he was going straight to the Nets bench Fake handoff, turned and dunked, and Kawhi went was missed his first three shots that he took in the fourth quarter. PG missed a push shot, and before you knew it, we were down by eight after an Edmund Sumner three. It was just a bunch of momentum, poor transition defense, not hitting shots, and we called a timeout, and I really thought, it was 107.99, I really thought we were going to lose. I thought Cam Thomas was too hot. I was like, it's the same old story. We're going to go, we're going cold again in the fourth. It's going to be the same old, they just ISO, ISO, because the Nets were switching everything, and you know what that means. It's going to be a lot of ISO. 
But I do think there are certain ball screen actions we should use more, a little more ghost screens and slip screens, and just keep re-screening, make the defense work a little bit more, and keep the defense guessing a little bit more, I think. That's the only thing I can say. And then, you know, keep trying to get Paul George and Kawhi to catch the ball in the mid post as deep as possible with a little bit of off-ball actions instead of just high ball screen all the time late in the game. But, yeah, we went down by eight. Big substitution made by Ty Lue. He puts Reggie back into the game. He goes with Zoo, Norman, PG, and Kawhi. So I'm not a huge fan of Norman and Reggie closing games together. But in this one, it worked. We responded with a 9-0 run. Kawhi with a mid-range, made it 101-107. Reggie with a three in transition off a stop. Then we created a turnover. Kawhi, long arms. Cam Thomas threw the ball out of bounds over his arms. Kawhi hit two free throws after. Zoo hit a jump hook. And just like that, we were right back in it. But Cam Johnson responded. That's the crazy part. He still responded. He put them back up four, 113 to 109. And then we went on the 9-0 run that closed the game. I love that we responded this way. That is a sign of a good team. It shouldn't have gotten to this. But it is the sign of a good team that we can respond like that. With When it looked like we were kind of cooked. A 9-0 run. And PG started with a short jumper. And you could hear Ty Lucon plays. He said, pistol, pistol. PG came off the ball, favorable matchup, got within 10 feet, short jumper, got the bounce. And then after that, Joe Harris made some terrible plays in the fourth quarter. He passed up a wide open mid-range after he had a beautiful cut past Norman Powell, turns the ball over, passing instead of shooting, and Kawhi hit a huge three, huge. And just shortly after that, Reggie Jackson took a charge, great rotation against Nick Claxton. I know, Reggie Jackson with a clutch defensive play, crazy. And then Kawhi gets loaded up on because I think it was Cam Thomas guarding him. I, I saw Tyloo say, yo, Zoo, flash middle. Great pass by Kawhi. Zoo jammed it down. And the Clippers, after a Nico Batum and one, that put us up 121 to 116 with about 57 seconds left, closed the deal. And I want to say after that Zoo dunk, he had a fantastic contest at the rim. Zoo was my player of the game. He was just all around awesome. It felt like when he was in, we were just playing better basketball. He was plus 27, which was tied for the highest in the game with Reggie Jackson, funny enough. But I think Zoo's matches my eye test a lot more. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, and a turnover. And after those 2 chippies he missed early... He only missed one shot the rest of the game. Six for nine in 30 minutes. And honestly, considering Nick Claxton played 36 minutes, I think Zoo could have played even more. But the Clippers win it. Dodge a bullet. A sigh of relief for me. 124 to 116 in Brooklyn. They split the season series with them. We sweep New York. Four and two on the six-game road trip, and I have to say I'm very proud of the boys. They were four and one in games that Kawhi and Paul George played. They should have beaten Milwaukee, should have gotten five and one, honestly, but I will take four and two. We are now eight and not eight and one in our last nine games with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, 17 and 15 away from home. And that's one of the better road records in the Western Conference. So we're, doing, we're starting to play better basketball. We are starting to play better basketball. The concerns come, well, when I read the lines. And I want to read a couple of team stats first. 
The Clippers ended the game shooting 48% from the field. The Nets shot 49%, so not much of a difference there. The Clips, however, shot eight more shot attempts and eight more free throws. And that's because the Nets turned the ball over 16 times, whereas the Clippers, we only turned the ball over nine times. So single-digit turnovers, huge. And we scored 25 points off their turnovers. We shot 40% from three, 12 for 30, which is a pretty low amount of attempts for us. They were 16 for 31, 51.6% from deep. So that's a big reason why. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. That's a big reason why this was such a close game. They just had an outlier shooting night from three. Cam Thomas hit some amazing threes. Royce O'Neal was just hot from three. But let's read the lines. And from the foul line, Clippers shooting 80%, 24 for 30. So two straight games where the Clippers shot 30 or more foul shots, which I love to hear. And the Nets only shot 22. So again, we shot more free throws than the other team, which I love, and on the road, which is pretty surprising. They shot 82% from the line, though, so better, even though Nick Claxton missed three of those four. But let's read the lines. The Nets actually played a an 11-man rotation. This guy, Drew Smith, who was undrafted, I believe, out of Missouri. He was only in his sixth NBA game played. He was okay. Two points, one for three. He was minus 13. Patty Mills was awful. 12 minutes. He could not guard anybody. He was missing shots that I've seen him make his entire career. He was 0 for 5 in 12 minutes. I don't even think he played in the second half. He had a donut, and it was minus 16, the worst of any net. Absolutely awful. Dayron Sharp is his name? Yes, Dayron Sharp, the 29th pick in the 2021 draft out of North Carolina. thought he was all right. I thought Zoo honestly beasted him. He had a donut. Played seven minutes, was minus 10. Kessler Edwards, shout out to our Pepperdine Wave. The main man from Etowanda. Always happy to see Pepperdine players in the league. Only played six minutes, though, so not much to say. He had a donut. So three of those bench players, actually four if you count Yuta Watanabe, who played the most minutes of any Nets bench player and also had a donut. So four donuts out of those six players for the Brooklyn Nets. TJ Warren, great to see him on the court again. Played 12 minutes, and he's got a great mid-range game. Maybe should have played more, honestly. Eight points on four for six shooting in 12 minutes of play. The guy can really fill it up. Every net starter played 28 or more minutes, starting with Joe Harris, who played 28 minutes. He only shot twice, which is pretty insane. He made both of his shots, which is really weird that he passed up that open mid-range. What a weirdo. Six points and six boards and three assists for Joe Harris. Five personal fouls. Uh, Edmund Sumner, he had a really good game. Now, I think his jumper doesn't look that great. He's only shooting 33% from three in the regular season. But he's shooting 47% from three in his last nine games. So maybe he's starting to turn a corner there. In this one, 23 points, five rebounds, and three assists. And we were letting this guy shoot. But not only was he hitting his jumper, he was also scoring at the rim. He shot three threes and made two of them. He made all three of his free throws and was 9 for 17 from the field. So he actually had a really good scoring night. 23 points on 9 for 17 shooting in 33 minutes. Royce O'Neal, 
didn't have a three in the second half. So at least we locked in on that and didn't let him do anything else. But 15 points, five for nine shooting, five for seven from deep. And then the two guys that made our lives hell, Nick Claxton, 15 points, 16 rebounds, two steals, and three blocks on five for eight shooting, but also five for eight from the line in 36 minutes. He was absolutely spectacular. And then Cam Thomas. 47 points. It's getting a little ridiculous. You know, Giannis had 50-something on us. Jalen Brunson had 41. Cam Thomas, 47. Is Kyrie Irving going to have 50 in his debut? Like, we got to get our act together and take a little bit more pride guarding one-on-one. That's what really disappoints me. The constant lack of killer instinct on that end of the floor, it starts in the defensive end. The championship teams that really take teams' heads off, they start on the defensive end. We have too many lapses in concentration, lack of focus, miscommunications. We don't string together great quarters. And we need to start doing that if we want to be a championship team. I want to see us blow teams like this out. Cam Thomas, though, 47 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists on 15 for 29 shooting, 7 for 11 from deep, and 10 for 11 from the line. He put on an absolute show. As for the Clippers, I think it's a huge mistake to continue to neglect Robert Covington's abilities on this team, and the fact that he doesn't complain, doesn't say anything, and is so enthusiastic still on the bench is a testament to how cool of a guy he is, how great of a teammate he is, and a class professional that he is. But he doesn't deserve to be rotting on the bench and riding pine to watch us narrowly beat teams like this. He didn't play again for the second consecutive game. Luke Kennard, he did play, which I love. Three points, though. One for six. I already talked about him, so there's not much else to say. Just needs to keep playing, and he'll find his shot. The other three bench players for the Clips played 27-plus minutes because Marcus Morris, who was one for three, Exited the game with 17 minutes played. Terrence Mann only played 25 minutes. He did not close. And you know what? It worked in this game. But I thought Terrence actually played really well. 12 points and 9 rebounds. 5 for 9 shooting. His plus minus doesn't look great. But I don't think that's really at fault of his. Or he's at fault for it, I should say. Reggie Jackson in 27 minutes. It ended up being a good Reggie game because we won and he made big plays at the end. He had a plus 27 plus minus. But I still think he was a big reason why the Clips fell behind in the third quarter and I still don't agree with Reggie Jackson playing in the rotation when everyone's healthy and right now we don't have John Wall but Robert Covington should be playing instead of Reggie if we're going to go nine deep and if we're going to go 10 deep and play Reggie that's fine but can we at least just not play the three guards at once Reggie Jackson had 12 points in the game five for 10 shooting and two for four from deep. So overall, solid night. It's just you live and die by Reggie. And I think that and when it comes to the championship discussion, you're going to die if that's what you're going to do. Nico Batum, in 28 minutes played, again, just fantastic for me. Even though he was one for four from deep, just does a little bit of everything. Guards, nine points, three for eight from the field, 11 rebounds, 11. Three assists and a block. He's just a fantastic role player. Any team would kill to have a Nico Batum. If it's a Zubats, 19 and 12, my player of the game, two assists, three steals, and a block, six for nine from the field, and plus 27. Keep feeding Zoo, because I really love when he's aggressive in the post. Even if he misses a couple, keep feeding him if he has a mismatch. He is a good player, and he's come a long way. He was seven for 10 from the line. I'll live with it. Five offensive rebounds. What a beast. Plus 27. And then our duo, with 24-plus points each, which you'll take all day long. I think they can still be better defensively, though. Kawhi Leonard, 24 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists. One turnover, though, so I love that. 
8 for 17 from the field and 3 for 4 from deep, 5 for 6 from the line. My biggest problem with all that, only 17 shot attempts. To me, he should still always be the Clippers' leading shot taker. Paul George had it going, but I think both of them should have 20-plus shots. I like the distribution. I, I always believe in sharing the ball, but I do think that there were stretches of the game, particularly in the third quarter, where Kawhi needs to get a couple more shots up. He needs to shoot 20 shots minimum per night. There's no, no ends, ifs, or buts about it. Paul George did shoot 20, and uh, we've talked about it in so many episodes past that when Paul George shoots 20-plus shots, we're a much better team. 29 points for Paul, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 straight really good games for him, 10 for 20 from the field, 3 for 7 from deep, 6 for 7 from the line, and only 2 turnovers. So that's a fantastic, solid overall night for Paul. My only problem with him, second-half defense was lazy. Clippers win it 124-116. to 116. They advance to 31-26 and end the road trip 4-2. And, and 8 of 9 out of our last... 8? Eight, 8 out of our last 9, guys. I'm fucking with it. I just want to see Ty Lue be better. I want to see Kawhi and Paul George close more convincingly. I also want to see us feed Norman Palomar in the fourth quarter. Again, we're not going to him enough. And oh yeah, I forgot about Norm. 14 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists on 5 for 10 shooting. 1 for 4 from deep. But the 5 for 10, I'll take the efficiency all game long. Norm has just been unbelievable. Norm for 6th man of the year. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. I did not expect to go 45 minutes, but it is what it is. Clippers win it, and I'm a happy man. We're starting to play good ball. I'll catch you. Eh, the podcast-wise, I don't know. Oh, probably tomorrow if LeBron passes Kareem. If he does, I will do something. Good night.